0: you are listening to
1: this is oklahoma hosted by mike hearn telling stories of oklahomans and those that have made it their home
2: what's up guys welcome back to another episode of this is oklahoma mike hearn here your host back with another episode uh on the podcast today i have jay and jack evans we are up at oak tree on the family side which uh New little development up here. I've got some bad memories driving, <laughs> not you know driving back around this part of the golf course as we've just been speaking about. But thanks for for coming on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me into the house. And looking forward to sharing some some unique stories. Obviously, you guys are twins and both have two separate real estate businesses. Uh, you know, me being in the industry, is I know of both. I'm sure I've sold. I've been a, had a buyer on one side definitely. I think I have to look back. But um, yeah, I mean, thanks for coming on and, and excited to share some stories. I guess do you were you both born and raised Oklahoma, do you both grow up here?
0: Yeah, we were born in Ponca City, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we grew up in Enid, uh, probably since we were about two years old. My dad was um, uh, worked for the Enid State School. Um, back then, you know, that was a place where they, they um, lack of a better word, housed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentally challenged people. And he was originally a butcher and um, worked his way, uh, they, the state stopped doing that kind of thing. And they ended up just processing. So we ended up being cold storage and, and he worked uh, 28 years there in Enid and he didn't, we grew up there went to uh we were east side guys you know literally i like to say that we were the um we were on the wrong side of the tracks we we grew up on the east side definitely a rougher side um you know i drove through enid here not long ago and, mm-hmm. and it was uh, surprising uh where we were at and i have uh, some exchange students in the house and they were looking at what we do today compared to what we did in the past and they're like oh it all came a long way, so. <laughs> yeah, but no, we grew up in Enid. Went to Enid High School, Longfield Junior High, Garfield uh, uh, Grade School. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we, um, you know, our parents were our parents were deaf. Our, my mom was, she went deaf about five years old dad, born deaf, Um, you know, it must have been something in the gene or something, because my dad had three brothers and sisters that were hearing, and then three of them were were deaf. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, we were raised, our first language is actually sign language. So um, it is kind of interesting. You forget about that stuff as you get older, because I find myself stumbling to find words when I'm I'm signing, and it's my first language. But I think some of it is, too, is my vocabulary is a lot larger than my sign vocabulary. So I struggle to find the word that I'm looking for. That matches my. What I'm. I'm saying that's why Jack and I are terrible interpreters. Um, we've got a sister. Um, she lives in Springtown, Texas, north of, of uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And now she she is an interpreter, and she is a. Um, she does it for a living. Got a master's degree. She's. Um, uh, she uh, has been interpreting through the school system for probably close to 20 years, and then now she does it for the government. Um, and. Um, does it for you know TV? She's an mm-hmm. expert signer, and Jack and I.
2: I mean, it's
0: just embarrassing how. <laughs> so she's the one
2: that, like, when you watch TV, she's like standing off to the side. Oh yeah, she does that. Wow. I mean, that's what she does for. A and they they are on it, aren't they? They're fast, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. she. Awesome. Uh, one of her stories was is that she was in Fort Worth, and her um, she was uh, in the back, and there was a person signing for the for the uh, president of a of the deaf school, so deaf university. And there you are, um, royalty. I mean, if you get to that level, that for the deaf community, they mm-hmm. really um, respect and admire them. And they we're signing, and he, the lady was missing a sign, and my sister yelled out from the back, you know, what he's trying to say. And yeah. um, and then so next time she was the signer. That's when came what's yeah. Yeah, there's a the deaf people can be a little different. They're they, are, you know, they're just a different. They're just different people. Sure. Um, they. You know, people tell them, Jack and I. Um, you know, we'd rather have the the, the fuzzy version because your your straight version's too tough. Yeah. Um, my my wife tells me all the time, "Hey, I want the sugar-coated version, not the not the blunt version. Yeah, Please give yeah. me the sugar-coated version." You know, because we we tend to speak our mind. Um, we get right to the point. You know, right. and say what's on our mind. Because the tough thing about it is in sign language, you don't you don't have. The niceties of it, you know, because you're trying. Yeah. To, it's really kind of a just get what you need it's to say. Yes done. or no, isn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah. It's yeah. really, it's really. Um, you know, I think today it's getting maybe more of a uh, more descriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my sister has signs that I don't even know. They, they weren't around, or they were different they're modified, and it kind of evolved over time to a different sign than what they are today. But um, so we 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 tend to be more blunt and stuff like that and. You know, uh, you know, I've, I've, deaf people don't get their feelings hurt the way that it was easy as, as we that hear do you know yeah I, I know my mom was at a picnic and she hadn't seen some schoolmates in you know probably 15 20 years and I still remember this today he looked at her. a couple of her friends from from, uh, from school said you got fat <laughs> <laughs> of course we'd never do that but, but they did <laughs> so yeah. I'm literally sitting there looking at that going wow Yeah. and um, it was you know it was, it was it was interesting watching them you know everybody because they would you know they were really very blunt with each other sure. but no one was getting their feelings hurt I mean, It was just, they were all joking, and my mom was laughing and all that. And I was like, Huh, I think if I did that, somebody did that to to me, I'd be like, What? (laughs) You have a black (laughs) eye, so yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. And I mean, as everyone keeps talking about, like, as soft as the world's getting now, right? If you go back to that, I mean, it's gonna be a lot of crying and a lot of broken hearts. If you you could talk to somebody like you would in sign, but verbally, that's yeah, I never thought about that. I I mean, I I hope me, this, I would never, never even knew that. Uh, And I'm sure listeners two the same. Uh, every time I go to Enid, I go to the Flamingo. You just ha- you have to. You right? have you to get those the, to the the greasy yeah. <laughs> cheeseburger that yeah. hopefully doesn't go everywhere. The onion. bar chips, the, uh, the ruffle bar chips. Oh, it's just just face the, yeah. that way, doesn't it? And then uh, Oakwood's in. Oh, the golf course is up there, right? Oakwood's Yeah, very right? nice golf course. I yeah. like that course. Yeah, that's, um, hopefully I'll play that this year. The The. Oklahoma Mid-Am is there this year. So that's going to be good. Go to Enid. And I've been up a few times. I had friends who'd lived up there or friends' family who was from that area. And um, I think it's his last name was Deal. Garrett Deal. He's the pro over now at Galadia. But his parents, I think, had a drugstore up there maybe. Um, but then we went up there one year. Uh, so, so growing up in Enid, when then dad teaching and then when like college do you come south for college do you go to Oklahoma State like where do you go for college
1: well I think that's you know from our standpoint we actually uh, and our our friends from high school probably would attest that we uh, had no ambition to go to college I mean we literally got out and started working and we found that uh, the jobs aren't as good you're working nights you're working weekends the pay's not real good, and ultimately, you just realize that this isn't where you're going to go in life. <clears throat> uh, at that time, we were living in Fort Worth, Texas, so we moved to Fort Worth, um, and this would have been in the late 80s, and moved uh, back to Enid um, you know, to be back around family. And we actually were in the charter program of what was the Enid higher education system, and we were taking college classes at the uh, high school there north of town called Chisholm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Taking night classes in a high school is how we started, and got our associate's degree that way. And then I started driving from Enid to UCO. So my my yeah. choice on university was what was drivable. And uh, so I thought about going to OSU, but UCO just fit better for where we wanted to be. And uh, we eventually moved uh, our senior year, we moved up there and, and uh, Teresa worked, through, uh, worked so I could go to school. Mm. And uh, I finished with a finance degree, and uh, mm. went to work for MidFirst Bank right out of school. So it was just uh, a fantastic job. Right? Yeah. I was working in the mortgage servicing division, you know, buying whole loans, and worked with a couple of guys that that really did a good job of training.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they, uh, we the thing I like to say is I worked one day. I worked half a day in two thousand. And I had to, had to vest, got my vesting and was out. And we, uh, and I, it's not, I hate to say that, like, it's, it's a bad thing to work at first. I was just ready to move on. Yeah. And they taught me so much that, uh, we were able to, to go off and, and go into business for ourselves. So I've been self-employed since basically the afternoon of January 2nd, <laughs> <laughs> <Two> years, <laughs> 2000, 2000, 2000. right on the nose. Yeah. So I've been employed, uh, self-employed for over 20 years yeah. and, and I bought a, I bought a paint business, um, and uh that was a tough business i I didn't like that it was uh you know I remember distinctly my first week of riding in a truck going out to deliver uh paint and i you know of course I came out of the the banking world right, right suit, tie. Tie, yeah, yeah to you know I had my Carhartt coat and my uh my red wing boots, and I'm sitting there going, "What in the hell did I just do <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, was this logical or reasonable and uh and ultimately it wasn't, I, uh, I, I didn't enjoy the business. Mm-hmm. It, it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't for me. I wanted to go in and talk to these guys <coughs> and sell paint and, and get customers. And I wanted to talk 55 minutes of business and about five minutes of hunting, fishing NASCAR. And they right. want to talk 55 minutes of NASCAR. Yeah. And I just, it wasn't a good fit. And I had a tough time relating. And so luckily we sold the business to a, to a couple out of uh, Norman and they'd done fantastic with the business. They were mm-hmm. a lot better with the business than I was and uh, my wife had a nice little tag business and we worked in the title business for automobiles okay. and uh, i did that for a little bit and a, a friend called and said hey you know something about foreclosure and i said yeah a little bit and he said let's go to the sale and uh, so we went up to the sale and i was sitting there and this house seemed way too cheap and i was like i generally know the area so i bought it uh, you know didn't even really do a lot of research just thought that sounds cheap so yeah. i bought it and uh, and i got the house uh, uh, got it confirmed. Got my sheriff's deed. Uh, flipped the house and made eleven thousand dollars. And I literally did about six hours work. And I said, "I'm going to be rich." <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. That's, that's how I got into. That's how I got into real estate. Unfortunately, that was uh, that was the proverbial hog finding an acorn. Yeah. Uh, it was not that easy, and it, and it hasn't been since. But uh, but that first one sure got me hooked.
2: Yeah, Jay, what's your kind of avenue to to the real estate? Yeah, uh, I had to do everything the hard way. <laughs>
0: you know, I, I uh, as Jack said, we moved to. Fort Worth, Texas, in the late, I think it was 1989. Moved to Fort Worth, Texas, and actually it was know, 87. 80, was it 87? It was 87. Yeah. Then, and um, we, you know, we literally thought we were going to go down there, and everything was going to change. You know, because remember back then, you had the oil boom. Uh, oil boom. We graduated in '85 out of high school, and the oil boom busted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it busted, you know, right around that time period. Then you had, of course, Penn, Penn Square Bank, and you know, and I always growing up, always heard it in the the paper, or you know, not really in the paper, but you know, in the things that we hear. It was. Um, that the oil oil crashed and that's what caused Oklahoma's downfall you know and it really it wasn't it was, it was kind of a double it was kind of a triple whammy we really had what the nation saw in 2006 kind of what happened to Oklahoma during that time period you know we had the oil crash and then we had then we had housing crash and then we had um, banking crash so that was, I don't know if you if you remember savings and loans but you used to have savings mm-hmm. and loans which I think kind of kind of today maybe have converted into more of a the credit thrifts you know like the um, uh, credit unions yeah. but th- those crash um, you know, in our town, several of the banks closed. The biggest, one of the biggest banks are closed. So Enid was really hurting. Uh, I remember it taking, I remember I was trying to get a job at Mazio's Pizza, and it took me two months of solid applying to get yeah. that job. And I only got it because one of the guys never knew me from high school. Got my foot in the door as, <clears throat> as 17, 18 years old. And, uh, and uh, we, you know, we even had experience because, you know, we were, you know, our, our parents, you know, we, we have a a good thing that we got from our parents is, you know, uh, is, a, is a solid work ethic. Um, you know, we started throwing papers at ten years old, and that, was not, that wasn't a necessity. You know, I, I tell people, people say that, you know, we, we grew up poor. We were welfare poor, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, a lot of times people think they're poor; they're not poor. They just can't afford. They can't afford their wants. Yeah. You know, And we couldn't afford our needs. And I mean, we we know what it's like to have utilities turned off. We know what it's yeah. like to, you know, you open a the refrigerator, there's nothing in there. You know, my parents took welfare for a little, wh- welfare for a little while. Um, you know, and back then it wasn't long. I think it was just a few, uh, maybe a year or something, but it was it was still painful. A year and is a long time, right? When you're a kid too. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it was seemed like an eternity. And, and, you know, and I remember there was my, to my parents, there was some real shame to that. It was no, it was not, um, it was not made easy, yeah. you know. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't pleasant, and and um, so they, they worked through their struggles. My mom was in an accident, and it and it uh, and she couldn't work, and of course they needed two incomes. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, so we worked early, and we helped, helped their parents throwing papers, and then uh, we wanted a motorcycle. and Obviously, they couldn't afford that, and. We, um, we worked in Navajo, so we worked, we started working the drive, it would be kind of like a Sonic. today. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, car hopping. yeah. Car hopping. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember was, I was talking the other day, I couldn't remember whether it was 215 or 235 an hour. It was
1: 215,
0: oddly enough. Yeah. I
1: remember that. 215.
0: Yeah. 215 you know, 2 an hour and thought we was making all kinds of money. You know, of course they did that because you're supposed to get tips, you know, they, they're figuring you get tips, but we got very few. I mean, it yeah. was just, it was a hard time in Enid and we were pretty lucky to have a job at 14. Um, And, of course, worked at Burger King and then uh, Masios, and then we thought we could have better opportunity moving to Fort Worth, you know, moving to Fort Worth, we'd have a better opportunity. And we had some friends that moved down there. And that's how my sister, she moved down a little later after we did maybe a year Mm -hmm. later after we did. And then she ended up staying um, uh, with one of the friends we went down there with, she ended up marrying one of our kind of childhood friends, and she stayed down there. And uh, I got married while we were there to my high school uh, sweetheart and ended up. Um, moving back to because 'cause we we're getting ready to have our oldest daughter, and um, so we moved back to Enid. Went to school like Jack. You know, I wasn't planning on it. And then Jack went, and mm-hmm. I was like, hey, man, I better go. You know, and then we, we uh, oddly enough, um, I went to uh, took two classes in summer school at uh, Tarrant County Junior College. So I, uh, that semester, you start having an ACT, and I never took an ACT, so yeah. I had no SAT, SAT. So. I took those two classes, so I'd be uh, grandfathered in, and then of course it was able to grandfather me in, and I, yeah. it was just an eye opener how far behind in math I was, and and uh, you know and, and trying to get all that caught up, and of course paying for it, and fortunately, they had a Pell Grant that helped a little bit, but I was you know I like to say that I was the kid that they wanted. To get through school because right. they didn't want me sucking on, you know, uh, sucking off the government, you know, that kind of thing. And so I um, uh, had, had, had a kid and, and uh, was going to school at night and Jack was ahead of me because he was he was working. I couldn't get as many hours as, mm-hmm. as he was able to do. And, and so he started driving back and forth and he may, you may have been driving a, a year. Yeah, I, I drove for a full year. Yeah, I drove mm-hmm. for a full year um, and came up here. Um, moved to Edmund, and then, um, I came not long after, I, I don't know if I was there, maybe six months after, yeah. but I started driving back and forth when I got my associate degree. I started driving back and forth to, to UCO. Um, and I did that. I think uh, I think I was I think I was able to get a job before I had to do it a full year. I think I did a full semester and was on the next semester when I got a job at the Hertz Data Center. I was the, my father-in-law uh, was at that time was a uh, computer programmer, and I was looking at his life. And coming from where we came from, he at the data. Country Club West, it's a neighborhood just to the west, of uh-huh. Oak Tree Golf Course, so it was right there. And he got Oak, club membership. Oh, and Oakwood Golf Course. Oakwood Golf Course. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, he's got a good lifestyle, I think I'm going to go do that. And I uh, was learning to be a programmer and got hired at Hertz and programmed for uh, 15 years doing that. Got my degree after, you know, I had two kids, um, I was doing it the hard way, I had two kids and, yeah. and um, and going to school at night and kind of worked my way through school.
2: Yeah. So then you went to become a programmer? Yeah. I was a
0: programmer for uh, almost probably 17 years. Yeah. Yeah, It was over 17 years. And then the last several years I was doing it on the side because Jack was going, you know, kind of like he said, he flipped his first house and said, Jay, this is easy. You got to come over and do something. (laughs) You get some extra money that way. Right. So we actually um, worked on a house that I don't remember how Jack came across the lady, but she had. Uh, it was a meth house I mean they were they were hooked on meth one of the nastiest places you'd ever see yeah yeah, I remember there being just clothes scattered everywhere, and um, you know none of the utilities were on. They were stealing electricity, stealing gas, stealing water. Everything had been locked up or cut off. I mean, I think they that the house had cut it off at the pole to keep them from stealing it or something. Oh, yeah,
1: that was an incredible story. They, the, the guy got shot on the front porch. Um, it was His, his mother yeah. was one of our friends uh, insured, and she was telling him that she needed to get rid of the house. And he said, well, I know a guy who has it. They literally were getting gas by they cut a bicycle in our tube in half, and then clamped it to one end of the gas to the other yeah. and booted it that way. They literally took a piece of copper, wrapped it with tape, and jumped wow. the electric. I mean, they could have killed themselves <laughs> to get free yeah. power. And it's like, you could have just went to work. Right. You know, I mean, it's so, it's so weird. But, uh, yeah, that house, oddly enough, is, is a really good story about investing. I mean, I, I got a call, and she said she wanted 32500 This house was on, uh, I think it was 2316 Northwest 16th Street, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and. This cute little house, just junky. And uh, she called and said, Hey, will you look at it and buy it? And I said, Well, let me go look at it. And I looked at it and I said, Okay, I'll buy it. And I remember Jay going, Are you going to negotiate? And I was like, No, she offered a great deal. Yeah. Sometimes you just take a great deal. Don't negotiate a great deal. Because you know how many deals I've won by somebody's negotiating and I come in and pot yeah, And just buy like, I'll it. take it. Yeah, because they're done it. with dealing with exactly. people and they just so, want to get rid of it. Yeah. You know, when you have a great deal, don't be greedy, just take yeah. it. So that's what happened there, but we we did really well. That was his first flip uh, with me, and 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 we uh, we worked on the little house, that little thirty-two thousand five hundred dollar house, sold yeah. for sixty-nine nine, and so yeah. that was a that was a better deal. That was Absolutely a little like that. better, that's right? A little, <laughs> bit. That was yeah. little
2: bit more fun. Yeah. 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 So so from that first one that you know you're like I'm doing this, I'm hooked. You make eleven grand. You know, you just that is you sold the paint company. That is what you're into now. You're going to the sales and you're mm-hmm. just trying to get as many as you can and just yeah. flip them that way. Mm-hmm. How yeah,
1: long? So Khalidi kind of wrote that for me. He uh, he started showing up and buying in mass, and yeah. uh, it was fun till he got there. And, and, and I, in all reality, I, I, I kid because I, I think he was he was smarter than I was. He went and got more money and and, and realized the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. What really turned that was in 2005 or six. It started showing up on TV. I remember watching TV on Home Garden home Network because I was yeah. addicted to it because now I'm in this business and I need to learn everything I can get about it. And I saw Flip This House and I went, crap, this is not going to be good. Yeah. No kidding. Within two months, we went from a little jury holding room yeah. to the big jury holding room. So, it was a matter of 60 people at the foreclosure sale to 350 people at groceries. And I knew something was wrong when I saw a young woman with a stroller walking a baby, going to buy a house, and that was going to be her part-time job. And I was like, yeah, wow, this is not good. So, (laughs) I saw a lot of people in there bidding, and they were high-fiving so happy. They went, I was like, wow, I've never seen anybody that happy to lose $10,000 because you could have bought that through Mm -hmm. a realtor and got a full inspection. I mean, they were bidding up to crazy levels. Kind of like what you see in the stock market today. It's just crazy. And you're like, you guys just because you buy it here doesn't mean it's a good deal Mm -hmm. and so that rent the business I mean so then we really had to start looking for different ways Um, Mm -hmm. I started to actually uh, I found a small house and it had a lot beside it so I bought the house and flipped the house to Jay and he fixed it up Mm -hmm. I took the lot and built my first house over here on the east side of Edmond so there's two houses on the east side of Edmond on Wayne Street that I built and it was just empty lots that were cheap little lots and I had a friend and I said hey give me your contractor list and I just winged it and uh, and that's uh, I think that helps because I'm, I'm, I'm the guy I can read it and then go do it. And so I learned how to build pools that way. I just, my wife wanted a pool and I said, well, we got a quote, and it wasn't, it wasn't in the budget. And she's like, well, I still need a pool. And so she, I said, well, get me instructions, and, and I'll build we'll it. it. And out, I, yeah. thought, I thought it would go away. And within an hour, she had instructions, <laughs> full instructions on how to build it. Here's how it happens. Here's where you get the software to draw <laughs> yeah. the pool. It was all done. so I literally went by job sites until I saw a pool guy show up because he pulled a permit. So I went by until I saw a permit, went down and talked to him and said, where do I get the contractors? Yeah. And, and then I had friends say, hey, you build me one, build me one. And then I, I was in the pool business for a while. I, yeah. I, I didn't like it as much. You can't build spec pools. They, you know, It pretty much requires a customer. Right. And then people get mad at you because there's a mud hole in their backyard and their poodles all muddy. And I didn't have anything to do it. You only <laughs> wanted a pool. I mean, I can't just drop the pool in the backyard. Right. And, and you, It requires, a, you know, you got to
2: break an egg to make an yeah. omel. And, uh, and it was tough. So I, I got out of that. I didn't like that business very yeah. much. So while this is all going on, you're still being a programmer, but... Yeah. Just right. kind of like enticing you and said, "Hey, yeah, this is this gonna be a part-time gig," and then, right? Then so it finally was, I was, wears I was down. doing, uh,
0: you know, you know, the houses I would typically buy, it would take me roughly roughly 200 to 250 hours uh-huh. to um, do the labor, because we were doing all the labor ourselves. Yeah. We weren't subcontracting anything. I think the only I think the only thing we subcontracted was uh, electricity, and that's if we had to upgrade yeah. the electrical panel. Uh-huh. Other than that, we tried to do it ourselves. Um, you know, so it was, uh, you know, I remember one of the most miserable experiences dealing in a new sewer line, because the sewer line was broke, yeah. and I'd have been way better off just renting a tren- or trencher <laughs> and trenching be, yeah. it, but yeah, I was out there with a pick and a shovel, and it was yeah. miserable. Um, while while I was doing that, I was going to work at night. So I would go into work and Hertz had the flexibility with me to, I got it at 6.30. I'd take a 30-minute lunch and I'd be out of there at 3, and then I'd go to the, you know, most of these were pretty close, so they were yeah. about 15, 20 minutes from, from the Hertz Data facility on Northwest Highway. And I would spend till 9, 10 o'clock at night. And if something was yeah. going wrong, I'd be there till midnight getting it done. And then I'd work, you know, Saturday and Sunday and get it ready, flipped it, and then yeah. uh, make money on it. Um, and you know, Jack was 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 helping me, you know, and I, he kind of gave me kind of helped me along to show me how to do a little bit of research and and you know, at least where to find some of the Stuff so I could at least try to bid on the houses, and uh, and then and then you know in that one one of the tough things about the flipping business was. Was that you, it's harder to control your inventory. If right. you can't get a flip at a good price, you don't have any inventory, so you're stagnant. You're, you're, stuck, you're sitting and yeah. stuck until you can get that flip house that you could flip something. So I might go to several sales until I actually got one, mm-hmm. and and then um, and then I would I would work on it, flip it, sell it, and go buy another one. So it was a slower process, yeah. but at least it was extra money. And uh, the house he was talking about that he peeled off the lot and sold me the house it was my first rent house, and of course fixed it up, started it as a mm-hmm. rental, um, and then it got to be a good enough deal that I got offered enough money for it I, I sold yeah. it and I thought I was doing really good I think I made six or seven thousand dollars on it thought I did really well yeah yeah you know, of course the interesting thing i had done probably better enough I'd hang on to it because I think at that time I sold it for sixty one thousand dollars yeah um, I don't remember what I even paid for it I don't remember what you sold it to me for but um, it was a great deal for Jack he bought, the, bought it for let's just say fifty thousand yeah peeled the lot off and sold it to me for 50000 It's still a good deal and uh, then had a, basically a, a free lot and yeah. was able to move it forward.
2: Well, and also like, you know, growing up the way you did, like you were never going to go pay someone to do it. You're like, we've, we fixed things ourselves growing up, right? You've mm-hmm. always like, if you wanted something, then you'd go fix it or you'd go get a job and then you go buy it, right? Right. And it's something that you've clearly taken into this business too. Is it's like, okay, for you as a part-time gig at the time, i'm gonna go do it yeah it'll take me less time to pay someone but i'm not gonna make as much money back right and you learn so much right now i mean you know how to do pools now right and all the other stuff like it's it's really cool to hear that because it is like you know i think people struggle today to learn like you know they, the instant gratification right they want to be a millionaire now or they want to be a successful business owner now you know listening to this there's probably some 16 year old boy hopefully listening that's like oh if i put in 10 years of good work then then i'll know what i'm doing not i want to be a millionaire by the time i'm 18 years old and i love the stories like this because you know sadly this the generation we're all moving on now and the younger generation don't know stories like this right unless they're asking their dads or their granddads or uncles or whatever it is and You know, hopefully the next gen because the trades is struggling and people are struggling, struggling to get people in trades. But, um, so so, Jack, you you build that first house, you get that little buzz thinking I can do this, and then you go into the pools. When do you think? Okay, now I'm just going to keep. Like, when do you start building a lot more houses and going down that route? Is there something in the middle where you do something else? Or no, there...
1: I mean, I, I was building houses and pools at the same time. Yeah. I was building semi-custom houses and, uh, and building pools as well. And that's, that's the time period where, where, really, to be honest with you, we were we were building our wealth. My, for, my, my good fortune was that, that Teresa made good money. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't actually have to have an income. And so all of the money that I made went back into the business except what we paid in taxes. So I didn't even take a salary. And so that was our our accumulation mode Mm -hmm. of getting enough equity. And so what we try to do is build one house and then we'd uh, we'd hopefully make some money on that one and then try to go build two. And then two became four. And Mm so... I would say that the, this was probably 2007, eight is probably in the, that area. And then by, I would say, the, getting started in the home building business was tough because most builders control their lots. And especially today, they definitely control their yeah. lot positions. And so it's hard to buy good lots. And so oftentimes the guys getting started are buying these lots that are left over. And the reason they're left over is because they're not a very good lot. Right. They're, they're hard to make money on. You, you'll spend a lot of money making that lot work. Um, versus having a nice, flat, clean lot. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about a lot that's got a lot of slope to it or you know, has you know, maybe next to a highway or it's just Stuck for some on the reason cool left over. On the yeah. them, yeah. So I was buying those lots, and I, and, I, and I could control that a little better. I got, I got a fortunate that a, a guy named Bill Jester um, called me and said, I knew him just a little bit, and he, he said he needed a partner in a development and uh, asked if I had the ability to do it. And I called another friend named John Gravett, and we got together and partnered with with him and, and Melvin and Mike Cutter, mm-hmm. and we were able to go into an addition called Timber Creek over on 15th and Mustang Road. So that's how I got good lot positions gotcha. and started getting into that. And by that time, then I was start, able to to hire an employee, and we were started. We went, I went from probably building five or ten houses a year to probably twelve or fifteen a yeah, year, yeah. and that would have been around the eighty nine range, mm-hmm. some or not 89, 09, 09, 09 range, nine, no 10, yeah, yeah. So that's that's how I got started. Is eventually I just luckily I had enough money that I yeah. could buy into a development and. And by buying into the development, I created the lots, and that's gotcha. how I got started.
2: Yeah. And that, so what, what's the name of your company?
1: My company, well, I, my holding company is Karis Holdings. Okay. And then we own Timbercraft Homes. Timbercraft, and then, okay. Uh, and then our development company is Three Jacks. And okay. so those are two separate
2: companies, uh, and both are, are very successful. Yeah. We have management teams in both. Tim is what's probably most known to your everyday buyer on the street, right? That's That's going to be the Mm -hmm. one that people are going to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, Jay, when when does that, when do you get to a point where, you're like, I'm done programming now, I need to go all in at this, And, and you start... Two structures, right?
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, because originally I was doing everything under JTE Properties when uh-huh. I was doing it. Because you, you know, I bought that one rent house, and then my third, my third uh, flip. I thought, you know, it's right there on the highway. It's three, three, two, two, one Northwest 39th Terrace, and it literally is right at the intersection of uh, Northwest Expressway uh-huh. and I forty four, and it literally faces a big concrete wall, yeah. and. My wife pulled up and said, this is a disaster. What have you done? And I said, no. I said, I'm going to mark this thing down. 15% it's going to sell because somebody's getting a 15% discount. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't sell. And it, it didn't sell for what I was willing to sell it for. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't even get an offer on it. And, of course, now this is probably um, 7 or 8, 2007, 8, somewhere yeah. in right there. And Not um, a great time to be in real estate. No, not, not really. You yeah. know, and so I... I, uh, I ended up keeping that as a rent house, still own it today, and and it's actually worked out to be a very good deal. I've made a lot more money holding as a rental, as a long term rental than I did as a um, as owning it. When Jack started getting out of the flips, when he was starting to have trouble with getting the flips, I was I, I couldn't get him because normally I would, I would try to make sure I didn't step on it because it was it was uh, I didn't I didn't want to screw up the pool for him because the right. uh, uh, pond you know he uh, he did this for a living and I didn't need the I didn't sure. need the income so I didn't want to mess it up so I was I was waiting until he got what he needed and then I would try to to buy maybe something that that was able that something that fell to me that, yeah. that he didn't want. Um, and of course, struggling to do that. And then I got into the the, the home building arena the same way he did. I, I was looking for lots that a uh, burned down. Uh, you know, my first my first uh, home build was a house that had burned down. It was over on. Um, Oh, I can't remember the street name, so I think it's 140th Street. It's just north of Memorial, right there about, I mean East Galleria, that neighborhood north in there, and um, my father-in-law actually helped me, so what we were doing is that is is I would work all the financials and all that stuff, and he'd work the morning getting everything started, and then after work, I'd go by and check everything and make everything go, and I, you know, it's funny, I still drive by that house. Yeah. So, so every, every so often, and then when I I did that one, then on the second or third house, I created two structures okay. to be to be a real business. And then I remember this clearly. I was talking. Uh, I don't remember how many houses. I was probably doing three or four a year at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was visiting with um, a, a, a friend of mine at, at his 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 dad. They were having a party for his dad, and his brother in law was there. And his brother in law a pretty successful businessman down in. Um, uh, I think his name's Mike, but down in uh, D- uh, Dallas, and he—he um, he, we were having this conversation, and he was just you know getting to know me, and and we knew each other a little bit, and but I didn't think he knew how much of the housing I was doing, and then he started asking, and then he goes, so and I remember it clearly. He said, "So which master are you going to serve?" And I said, it hit me like a like a bunch of lead bricks. It's literally like he's right. I'm not as good a programmer as I could be because I got the side stuff going on I'm not as good at the side stuff because I got the programming going on and and I'm, not, I'm serving two masters so um, I ended up I ended up looking at that so I started after that night I started talking seriously um, you know during this time uh, at, you know a few years back I think in 99 uh, I see what was it yeah99 97 uh, my my high school sweetheart and I divorced and and um, Got, uh, got remarried to another lady mm-hmm. in 99, and that was uh, Trisha's, her name, and I was talking to Trisha about getting getting going. This was, this would have been 2008, yeah. uh, 2000, late 2008, 2008, um, and I was talking to her about getting into it, and she was like, no, why do you want to screw our life up? We've got a good life. You know, we had, we take, you know, at that time, we, we were just ecstatic to take three vacations a year, and yeah. we were able to do that, we had, you know, fairly nice cars, nice house, you know, kids had everything they wanted and all that, and so it was... Um, you know, we had a good life. She goes, why don't to mess that up? <clears throat> and I, and I was telling her, well, I, I need to do something. Cause I said that one of these two, I, yeah. I can't, I'm not going to be able to do both well for very long. So it's, it, so at some point I have to decide what I'm going to do. And she was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I like that idea. And she, she kept after it a little while and she attends life church. And I get a little emotion about it, but yeah, But she said, that's where Craig Shell was talking to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He said, you know, trust God, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. She came home. He, goes, he had like five deals. She goes, she goes, I swear he was talking to me. So she said, go do it.
2: Yeah. That's Awesome like for her to say that, to come home and say oh, yeah. that, right? Cause like, like that's relationship ending stuff. And right. you know, you go down that road and you're like, I, I have to do this. And she's like, we have a great life right now. Yeah. And then, you know, Craig speaks to her. Yeah. And that's the biggest blessing ever for you, right? Cause that gives you, okay, like I'm, now I'm gonna give it a go. We're gonna go do this and yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's all in on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, she she's was, not, yeah. Yeah. you know, it makes it even worse, right? You've got to go and try and run a business and go on and off on your own as an entrepreneur. And there's nothing worse than it not being safe and settled at home to do that.
0: Right, so. and that's why I get emotional about it because it's allowed us to
2: far more than we could before. Yeah, well, I, going back to like your your story as a whole, right? Like, you know, when when you, you know when you look back and you're you're growing up and you're like, you know, the lights are off for a year or you know, and you're you're working as a kid and doing this stuff like you never dream of getting to where you are, right? You never dream of being in a house and being in this position today where you are, right? Or you might dream, but you don't think it's going to be a possibility and then things fall in place and through significant hard work, right? This is like, okay, you know, like I, I'm a golfer, right? So I love like Gary Player quote, you know, the more walls you hit, the like you get, or whatever, you know, that whole thing. And yeah, there is luck out there sometimes, but it's because of hard work and putting in reps to being where you're at, right? And both of you have gone down different routes, but you know, you both come to a successful point, and you still got a lot of life to live as well, right? So there's other ways to make money, but that um, you know, one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is because we get to share this too. you know, people will see your business and two structures and be like, oh, I had no idea, you know, right. or no idea that mom and dad would death, or no idea about this, and now they know, and they also know that you're real people as well. Like the main goal of this is to you know, people look at the website and they just see, okay, this their about section everybody's got one right no one really reads it but they can well they listen to this they know a lot more about you and you know know exactly where you've come from and it's easy to you know to to love that or become part of the story rather than just clicking through a website and seeing about so that's you know
0: it's yeah it is it's you know at that time keep in mind at that time you know i wouldn't i was trying to to be home you know, I would make up the time that I was away from home when between houses selling, but you know, yeah. I still went over there and made sure they were they were up kept, that they were you know, mm-hmm. they were presentable and ready to sell. But I was still when I was working that two hundred hours, that two hundred hours was outside business hours. It yeah. was never during business hours, right. and so I worked those two hundred hours. So I was already putting in a lot of time. And um, you know, uh, when she was saying that she was ready to go, I was working at that time. That hurts. Hurts. Got. Um, it's, it's funny how things react. The chain reaction works because um, I don't know if you remember back when they had the Firestone tires and the Firestone tires on the Explorers were having blowout issues that uh-huh. causing them to roll over. Okay. And it was a, it was a big lawsuit between and it was a recall that um, that Ford had and it was a it was a it was a strain on Ford. So they sold Hertz to to actually take care of that and okay. the venture capital firm bought them. And I remember telling my buddies there at Hertz. Um, that you know this is this is not good Uh, venture capital firms don't buy companies because they think they're run well. They think they're run poorly and they think there's a lot of opportunities to do that. And I don't even think it was six months and they had got a contract with IBM to outsource outsource the programming to India and all that. So I went over to the state and I was working at the state and I remember the lady, um, couldn't even tell you her name now, but I remember I had this boss and during this time, while I'm also flipping homes, I'm also studying uh, PLC. Well, I was a COBOL programmer and of course you know the the coders out there probably don't even have an idea what COBOL is, but, but COBOL was a uh, is a business language. Which does a lot okay. of processing, and now it probably does a lot of the processing behind the scenes. Um, you know, they have some kind of interface that yeah, works with yeah. it, and um, and so I went back to learn PL because well, I knew I needed to keep my skills up. And of course, I'm trying to juggle all this and work mm-hmm. and. and go to school and everything. And so I started working at the state and I remember I was having to work a lot of overtime and I was I was working on a, pro, a, pro, a project where it just wasn't working and it was, it was like, this isn't making any sense. I'm getting a lot of, I said, I'm, I'm, my tests are working just fine. My code works fine. But we were running it at night, it was blowing up and causing all kinds of problems. I mean, the major problems that was going to the top level was this was at the tax commission, and you know it was starting to feel a little heat and um, of course, the, the lady it was my boss was doing everything, and i said i don 't get it i said i 'm I'm, I'm running about as many files as I can rust in it running a test. A test program to see why it's not working As it turns out she was causing a problem, and she knew it yeah. and was pointing the finger at me and it was looked like it was my program right. was messing up, but she was actually passing bad data. And the data was that she was passing was just garbage and of course it was choking the machine and, and it was uh, it was a it was a real problem. And of course I was frustrated and mad about that. And of course when Trish said that I quit the next day. <laughs> I mean I literally <laughs> yeah. I remember I, I, and another thing about it was too is I I'm we're kind of we're kinda of loud and and vocal and of course I remember being mad enough at her that I was yelling at her, you know, basically telling her you knew that was yeah. junk. And you, instead of saying and say, hey, we got a problem here, like you know, maybe the rest of us could help you. Yeah. You got everybody trying to help me, and it wasn't my issue. And, yeah. and, and 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 in fairness to her, she may not have known it either. And and then when it, when when it came to light, that may have been she knew it before I did. Yeah. And and um, that may have been it. But that was a you know that was great to be able to go in there and tell them I'm out, I'm, right. I'm done, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make this business work. And it also helped, Jack. Uh, that that employee jack was talking about um they ended up parting ways and jack said why don't you come over here for a couple months let me hire somebody you keep the machine running and um you can do your stuff while you're checking while you're checking line yeah. and then until i can get somebody else hired so that kind of got me kind of got me out there and started and yeah. and uh and of course that that started uh, you know i don't know As i had this discussion with my one of my buddies Kenyon woods at, at authentic homes uh-huh. this morning and i said it, it's interesting that the younger generation thinks they should make a lot of money without the effort. Mm-hmm. They, they, it's like I want to do the same thing I've been doing, but I want you to pay me twice as much. Yeah, and want a raise every year. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and, and it's, more time off. And yeah, <laughs> and, and, it, and it's incredible because you know Kenny and I were talking about you know just you know the difference between business owners and and, and employees, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the tough thing is is that the business owner. The buck stops with you. Mm. I mean, if it doesn't, if you don't get it done, it doesn't get done. I mean, so either you're hiring people or you're doing things to make sure those those tasks get done. But you're, but you're really the buck stops with you. And, and at that time, I was literally working, you know, probably realistically. Um, realistically 80 hours a week working, yeah. you know, cause it was me and my father was helping me. And then not too long, about twelve, two thousand twelve, 2012, we ended up stopping that relationship. And, and, um, and, uh, I, I had real employees at the time. Not that he was, he was definitely yeah. doing his fair share and working his ass off, but it was, a, it was a, was a chance to get somebody that was really, that was a 40 hour dedicated and all yeah. that. And, um, you know, and that's one of the things too about splits. Is you know, when you're splitting business and you have partnerships, there's always one partner that feels like they're contributing more, right. and usually the person that's doing the labor always feels like they're doing more, and they don't take, they don't have appreciation for what the person that brings the finances, yeah, um, what they're sacrificing. It was years of our hard work that right. got us. They the don't money see that because they weren't yeah. there for it. They yeah. weren't there I mean, for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. You know, in most cases, um, it's kind of a a strange way it works. You know, when you're trying to get started, money's hard to get. Then once you're successful, the money, the money's not-
2: banks are throwing money at you. Hey, lend from us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was 2009 when when we got two structures officially started Mm -hmm. and then, you know, just plugging away since then. Yeah. And And then of course I was, I was fortunate that Jack was talking about the land positions. Um, I was always fortunate that Jack had some land positions that he would sell, he would share some with me and, and was able, obviously enter me through and and uh, so I've always been a, a little bit behind him and so he he finds those struggles before gotcha. I find them and at least I don't have as bad a problem. Sometimes I'm still a knucklehead and still hard-headed <laughs> and I'm going to do it. Jack couldn't get it but I'm not sure that Jack's yeah, the, the, the twin, The twin in you, right? The, the natural competition <laughs> to exactly. the,
2: the twin in you says, you know, hey, if you can't do it, I know I can. <laughs> Regardless yeah, exactly. of how much more money you not do it right. <laughs> and I find out, well, shit, that's what he was talking about. That's why I should have done that. <laughs> and
0: I find uh, some of the people we you know we we both mentor other people you know i was i recommended jack for uh, the daily oklahomans um, executive page i used to have an executive page uh-huh. and i recommended him for that the thing he's always <clears throat> done really good about is i probably have a hard time counting all the people he's helped in the business yeah mm-hmm. sometimes i'm such a crybaby
2: Well, I I I am the emotional one too in my family. So I totally get where you're coming from because there's been many times I've thinking about talking on the podcast and it reminds me of something back home and I'm there and I'm just, you know, so you're not alone doing that for sure. And it's, you know, it's, it means so much to you, right? Like it's a lot of things that have happened and, and, you know, both of you, like it's, you don't get to where you are without sacrifice. Right. And, and, and you know, just there's so many people in, in both of your stories that are the, that have helped you through the way. Right. And, and, you know, whether it's, you know, Craig Rochelle saying something or, you know, just, just the help of a father-in-law or whatever it is, like there's all, there's always people in everyone's story that, that, uh, that would drop anything at a phone call and be like, yeah, I'll be there. What do you need? You know, one o'clock in the morning, one of my rental houses is going crazy. Like, you know, you, someone's got to be there, haven't they? Um, so, you know, I, I totally get that. And, and you know, it, it's great. I'm grateful and thankful for you to share this story because it's awesome. Um, to present day, how's everything going? You know, both businesses doing well? Like, what what's life like now? I mean, you know, we can it's, touch on some fun you know, stuff. Or just, we like cars too, which I'm a yeah, huge car yeah. fan, right? So there's the fun stuff in that as well. Uh, and the yeah. Golf too. yeah. You know, it, the business
0: is going well. You know, it, we, you know, obviously, you know, a little worried when, when COVID first hit yeah. and they shut everything down. Um, quite honestly, a little unexpected that um, the market would be what it is. I think Jack thought it. You know, Jack just told me he thought it was going to be pretty strong anyway because just the demographics appearing sure. that way. There's just fewer and fewer. Housing houses listings and all that kind of stuff. Um, You know, it's it. You know, we we've been certainly blessed. Um, You know, this year we were able to give away the proceeds of a house to the real estate school at UCO. Mm -hmm. So we made a substantial contribution to that program, and it was a little surprising hearing how um, how which we would say lowly funded that, that, uh, that, you yeah. know, that endowment
1: is I mean, it's yeah. 45 or $50 million endowment and no use over a billion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think to, you know, especially at UCO where the, the need is great. I mean, I was astounded at how many students leave yeah. school over 500 to a thousand dollars. It's really, really sad. Yeah. And so we both tried to, to assist them in, in raising money, but it's still needed. So, uh, that's our plug for UCO. Please send money. Yeah, um, you know, I think there's a lot of students that need it, and they have the school
2: specifically for real estate as yes. well. Yes, yeah, okay. one. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I so didn't know David that. Chapman has yeah. done a nice job with that program. We used to do deals with David. Yeah, um, back when he, I, I think he still does real estate, but he had Realty One and and was doing deals, and and uh, we kind of reconnected, and it was good that we did because it was nice to be able to help. But yeah. you know, back to your question is, as, as far as as the market, I mean, it's, business is just fantastic. I mean, it's sure. it's really. Too good to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, it, it, it. We we hardly have anything actively for sale. We had a lot in the pipeline, mm-hmm. but it's selling as fast as uh, we've had a record quarter in December. A record quarter is mm-hmm. is coming up, um, so it, it it really is good. And and we we positioned our ourselves well with our land positions that uh, that we're going to be solid for, for quite some time. Right. Our focus has been north of Memorial. And so all of the land holdings we have mm-hmm. are north of Memorial and, and, uh, and I think that's an underserved area. And yeah. so we, uh, we think that uh, the market overall is really strong and the demographics are really strong. I mean, uh, people don't know that uh, America has underbuilt new housing by 5 million units over the last decade. And so we wow. have a situation where we're massively underbuilt and on top of that, yeah. we have more people coming into the market that are uh, that are house buying age. That uh, that's what's causing the shortages, and, and we're feeling it. I mean, there there yeah. is a, there's certainly
2: a shortage of homes for sale yeah it's I mean from my side too like I had clients they were under contract um, before kind of COVID but their house they built they built with Kenyan authentic Um, you know nine months later they get a house and the contract price thing that they'd signed you know the new contract price if they would have bought that house the day that they closed was like $15,000 more because of just you know Demand and everything else. And so, congrats, guys, you have some equity on closing today. Yeah, they do. And yeah. we're,
1: we're struggling with appraisals today because the yeah. houses we build today are probably running about that same 15000 yeah. higher in cost. I mean, a lumber package lumber has almost doubled over the last year and, Jeez. and we're not, we're getting, we're getting crunched from all sides. I mean, uh, windows went up 8% in January. They're going up another 8% in March wow. and they're saying it's just material inputs. I mean, it sounds like what's happening is people are fighting over materials. Mm-hmm. Our lumber yard said that they're sending POs out with no number in it and you fill in the blank and send oh, me the lumber. And geez. when that kind of situation is happening, it's really, really hard to control your costs. And, yeah. and it's a, it's a problem. And, uh, and I don't see an end to it anytime soon. They, Right. They, they really, I mean, it, you know, I think it's a situation where for ten years prices hadn't increased, and I think a lot of the, a lot yeah. of the manufacturers are seeing an opportunity to increase prices and start passing costs on that they've absorbed, mm. and I, I think that's part of the, I mean, that's part of the natural economic cycle. It, when things are in high demand, people raise prices. If not, if you're not raising prices today, then when are you going to raise right. prices? I mean, because this is as good as market as I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It is, you know with rates and everything and I mean it's
1: yeah here's a here's a shocking uh, thought. Uh, the Preston report puts out a report and mm-hmm. he mentioned in the 22 years he's been doing this report on, on Edmond zip codes in 22 years there never had there's never been less than 1,000 homes actively for sale in the Edmond market. in November it hit 982. Mm-hmm. I expect December to be under 500. Jeez. for a time period that's never been less than thousand we're about to hit 500 yeah that's how severe
0: the, the shortage is wow that's wild isn't it yeah yeah, and, and you know, it's is we're not, it's not just lumber. You know, lumber. We, we talk most about our lumber because the lumber is probably the biggest ticket item sure. we put into a house, yeah. and so it's it's probably our biggest spend. Well, today it definitely is our biggest spend. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, but you know, it's stuff like windows. I've got a we've got a client that we're building for now, um, and and you know she's a, she thinks we're lying to her about how things are going. And I'm, I'm you know I've lived in the same house for over twenty years, and we're finally building our first house uh, as as, mm-hmm. as our own company and. Um, you know, I, I've I've got I've, my windows delayed my bill easily three months,
2: yeah.
0: And I'm and I'm I, we can't do anything till those windows come in because we're as far as we can go. And I still don't have one of the windows, and it's been six months. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it, it, it it's not just the manufacturers not able to do it; the inputs are having a problem. And our and our clients, you know, sometimes the clients don't believe that, but right. it's, it's true. And we hear now that some of the clients will be saying. You know, I, I'll, I'll wait and build when the prices come down. I don't think they're coming down this year. No, I don't think they're. I don't think. I don't think they are because sure. we normally see a dip in the lumber in the winter, when especially when the northern climates stop building. Because yeah. you know, in some of the northern climates, they, they really can't build this time uh-huh. of year. Um, but they'll but they'll definitely slow down. And it wasn't much of a slowdown this year. It was barely blipped, um, yeah. n- not significant at all. And if they don't if they don't get if they don't get some of that stuff down now, we're getting ready to go into the building cycle and the building season, and it's not. Going to, yeah. I, I think I think these prices are going to stay around. I don't think we're going to see the prices drop. But you know, kind of to the um, kind of to the, the the supply side too is that we're seeing and now we're seeing uh, customers that are actually coming to us now for rental properties. They want to they want to they want to. Build a buy, rental property, yeah.
2: Buy brand new and build rentals. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we've yeah. actually,
0: we're working with a couple now that want to build duplexes. You know, we, we um, you know, not only do we build, we, we own rentals, but we also yeah. do um, multifamily sure. and, uh, you know, do a little developing and that kind of thing. And so we have the ability and, and the knowledge to be able to do some duplexes. But um, even then, it's kind of a surprise to have people trying to come to us retail to right. buy, buy duplexes because, yeah. you know, normally it's an investor and you're know, like, they want, they want. Um, a discount to buy because they're an investor and they're buying in bulk. Well, today, we're getting people coming in and looking at retail pricing yeah. for for uh, duplexes. Wow. And of course, we're in the position, you know, it's it's, it's kind of, it's a tough thing because, you know, if we're going to build it, there's a, there's an incentive for us to keep it.
2: Yeah. Well, and it goes back to that time where you said you saw people on TV like talking about home and garden, you know, mm-hmm. and rentals. And I mean, yeah, okay, now you go to 350 people showing up to buy one house but so now they're building spec rentals. Mm-hmm. Wow! Oh yeah, no. The
0: Jack, Jack's got several guys. You know, Jack supplies. Like what I was telling you earlier, how many guys <clears throat> Jack's helped into business? Several of those guys actually are now his clients that yeah. buy land positions from him. But they used to work for him as a sure. builder.
2: Um, I mean, you got an idea how many people are doing that? Five or six. Yeah. Five or six. Five yeah. or six. Where does that that want to help people come from? Does that come from family? Come from mum, dad, upbringing? No. Just, I think it's
1: just being grateful.
2: Yeah. Giving back. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think for us, they were good people. They were, you know, I was, I was saying, I, I prefer for employees, I don't mind an employee leaving because, you know, it's, it, it should be a, a situation that works but well for us. Sure. I ask for you to give me labor, and in exchange, I give you a paycheck. Yeah. And when that situation doesn't work anymore, it's perfectly fine for us to shake hands and say, hey, it's been good. Right. And, if, and if you leave me better than you found me, I'm good to help you. Yeah. And so what we do is is that we've got a number of uh, a number of clients and and it's a still it's still a win-win relationship. It's not like I'm selling these guys lots at cost. They right. they're paying what they should be paying for the lot, but you know, we're in a situation now that if you know, we have lots that we would we would have fifty builders lined up to buy lots if we mm-hmm. wanted to sell to just anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is the demand is nuts. I mean, have you personally gotten calls? I mean, I, I'm hearing realtors are getting calls from people from California about, oh, and I
2: just asking to buy houses. Just I say, haven't, but it what doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. stories. I know. Uh, uh, calls. A good friend of mine uh, started Table Investments. They do rentals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, and we've sold some stuff yeah, through Allison
1: and uh, uh, yeah, um, what is it,
2: Alyssa and Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think. Alyssa's only doing it. Then Curtis stepped away, but yeah, like they—they've been busier than ever, like because dealing with people buying in bulk from out of state and coming in, and they—they're doing. They're, you know, they made a great transition, right, to to go do that and be the only one that's doing it. I think right now their, their timing
1: couldn't have been better. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's a situation where um, I think what's interesting is, is that I, I just got a, a note today, and if you know anything about real estate, a, a twenty-unit refurbished. A small apartment building in Dallas Uh today closed at a 4% cap, and you're like, that's nuts. Mm. Um, and when people are buying rentals at 4% cap, yeah. you can still get seven to eight here in Oklahoma City. I mean, and so yeah. no wonder people are trying to come to Oklahoma City. I mean, they, right. their prices are just getting bid up so high everywhere else that Oklahoma City is seen universally yeah. as one of the, you know, five least expensive places to live. And our housing costs are so reasonable that you mm-hmm. can you can buy a house, like Jay said, at retail. And rent it, and it'll actually cash flow. And, yeah. and any any appreciation that you have, uh, you know what I mean. Let's be honest. If you're if you're talking about the money they're pumping out uh, in the economy, we're going to have some inflation somewhere down the road. Yeah. You know, you've got to pay the bill. That bill comes due at some point. And what better place to have an inflation hedge than real estate? Yeah. You know, real estate. We were fortunate that we got into real estate. I mean, I don't I don't know that. When I left MidFirst, I didn't expect to be a builder. I I, I expected to be a business owner, and and we were going to see what happens. And and yeah. as my wife likes to say, I just woke up every morning, and we were going to see how that day developed. Ah. And uh, and it's really a good way to live. You know, is you know sometimes you surprise yourself. And what happens is, is as we get further and further in real estate, you understand now why uh, so many people are, are more people. Are, are millionaires as a result of real estate than any other investment class. And it's because number one, you can leverage, you can make you can make a small dollar go a long way. You know, but the other part of it is is what you know, you get inflation hedge. I mean, I the first house I bought brand new, uh, right out of college in nineteen ninety-five was ninety-one thousand. That house today's gotta be at least two thirty. I mean, and I put five thousand dollars down when I bought yeah. it. And so you you would have made a lot of money on $5,000. So the real shame of of where things are at is that the the houses are going up so fast that I think a lot of um, people who are are working for a living or having mm. tougher and tougher time buying homes but um, I all I can say is get on board don't yeah. don't wait because it's not getting cheaper yeah. mean, there's they're not making more land they're not building at lower prices nobody wants to build at a lower price and I don't think you want to you know wait till something catastrophic happens to count on that
2: happening to get a lower right. price yeah you're right yeah it's it's interesting too like compared to obviously me coming from the UK like the, the people people out here move like what three to every three to five years. Whereas back. Well, back home, like I lived I mean, I was eight, 21 when I moved out to the States. I had two houses my entire life. My parents still live in the same house. Like it, the culture back home is totally different. So when I came out here and someone said, Hey, do you want to get into real estate? I'm like Sure, that, because back home you're it's salary as well you there's no buyer agent, there's like one company that controls all the listings, and then everybody else who shows is on salary, and there's a bonus kind of structure, but it's totally different uh and I'm glad that I'm out here and I got into real estate, and I'm not you know showing houses back home what for you know twelve a uh, you know a salary or whatever mm-hmm. um well, gents, this has been an absolute pleasure um I can't thank you enough for sharing i get, it means a lot to hear this story um and I know the listeners are gonna get a lot from it. I'll finish with this. Uh, you know, Young kid who's in school, college maybe not, maybe you know, 18, whatever it is, how, how old wants to get into business. Um, one piece of advice from both of you.
1: I think I can say that, that one thing that I think makes uh, Teresa and I successful is we do things other people don't. Mm-hmm. I, we've got a debt load that most people would lose sleep over. There, There is no there is no absence of risk. Right. Risk is everywhere. And the thought that you can manage risk is is somewhat false. I mean, this COVID thing, how do you manage yeah. that? Right. And so really what you have to do is you have to make a plan and work your plan and and the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're moving forward and and really trying to accomplish something, you can't help but make you know make yourself successful. I think I think you know as Jay was telling me about one of his guys is, that Jake was saying you know that he wanted to be at a, at a, a faster pace and, and make more money and, and, and have more deals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, you know the funny thing is is that it's amazing yeah. how I became an overnight success. It only took fifteen years. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it, it feels like overnight because yeah. people see the change. They see the cars. They see the house. And it seems sudden to them, but it's not sudden. Right. It's when you become comfortable enough to actually buy that car that's that's notable, or mm-hmm. you know, buy a different house. And then I think that's the interesting thing. And so I, I would say, you know, if you do things, most people won't. Most people have a job. Most people want to secure paycheck. Take the take the less secure route. I mean, as you know, mm-hmm. our salespeople make more money than anybody else in our business yeah. because they have risk. They're they're mm-hmm. in the same boat as me. They when they when they sell a house they get paid when they sell a house i get paid Mm -hmm. and we're exactly in the same boat and that's why they make so much money if you're if you're building working for me you won't make as much money because you've got a secure salary position now you make a bonus but it's not the same risk level so i say i say take a chance bet on yourself don't don't do this salary paycheck thing bet on yourself
0: Mm -hmm. you'll make more money yeah yeah i I would i would say you know I, i remember uh you know you mentioned cars and Jack and I both like cars as kids we were trying to figure out how to make our cars fast and and you know we'd, we spent stupid money as a kid um, trying to trying to get this stuff going. I remember that we, we'd sneak out. And this is how smart we were. We'd sneak out a wood shop and probably some of your listeners may not even know what wood shop is, but they used to teach woodworking in in high school. And of course we took it because it's kind of like basket weaving. It's just kind of a blow off class. And you know, and I couldn't wait to get out of school. I was, I was so done with school and high school. I had no intentions of ever stepping foot in a school again and all that. And um, we would, we would, we would skip out of the class and cruise the car around. To school. Mm-hmm. I don't really know why that was cool and fun back then, but it yeah. was. <laughs> when
2: everyone's in class and you're cruising, that's why it's yeah. fun, right? Yeah, but the <laughs> future's sitting there watching us cruise, and of
0: course calls our parents yeah. in, and I see him a little while later. His name was Mr. Caffey, and I was working at Burger King. And of course, I served him at Burger King, and he looks at me and he goes, that's exactly what I thought you would be doing. <laughs> <laughs> had, yeah. you know, and what changed of that time is, is literally we grew up not knowing another way of life. Right. Um, when we started opening our eyes to that way of life, and a lot of it goes, you know, credit goes to Jack because, you know, he's always had bigger vision than I have. Uh-huh. Always. Um, being able to, uh, being able to, to, to have a view of that, um, and seeing other people live that way, and especially when you start looking at them and going. Um, they don't seem that much different than me, right. you know, if they can do it, why can't I, you yeah. know, and it's kind of seeing other people that are looking at it and, you know, and I, I would say we probably have an unusual work ethic for most people. I mean, most people think we work eight to five us on the golf course and, you know, they're thinking that's all it is. They don't, they don't see the hard work that goes in behind, but yeah. um, it really, I think the biggest thing is, is just, is put the work in. You, I don't know of ones. I don't know of a single business owner that I think is is what I would call successful. Certainly self made. Self made. So, yeah. yeah, self. Certainly self made. I would say that without a doubt. So, self made that didn't work their ass off. Yeah. I mean, I don't know one. Um, you know, if there's one out there, I don't know who they are because yeah. everyone I know. Um, Everyone that I know has worked their ass off in yeah. one form or another and they put the effort in, they took the risk and you know when most people worry about the, the one thing that goes wrong, but what about the things that go right? Yeah. You know, what about what about you know the, the you know, I've got my teeth kicked in a lot. We've, you know, we've had deals, people a lot of times think that, you know, builders don't ever lose money on houses. I've lost money on houses. Matter of fact I lost money on three houses last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying I had I made less money on the house than it cost to actually build it and sell it. Um, they don't think that happens, yeah. but I've also had some that we've done very well on, and you know that's kind of the, the nature of the beast. Because some of them we still make mistakes and and go forward. But mm-hmm. um, I would say take the you know that's an old cliche kind of that you know take the risk and 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 it, you know and take expect the mistake, but more than anything, just don't give up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, that's, I think that's the thing that a lot of business owners have done. You see that sometimes when they give up, um, you know, we've done a few flips over the years that, um, another person was trying to flip it and gave up midway through it. And then we're mm-hmm. taking it over to get it. And, you know, they lost some money on it cause they just didn't, they didn't finish it. They didn't, yeah. they didn't get it done.
2: Yeah. Well, I, again, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing. It's it's definitely a fascinating story. and I know our listeners are going to get a lot of value from it. Uh, for everyone listening, I'll post the links to uh, Jack and Jay's several businesses down below. Uh, you can go check out you know the home businesses, stuff like that. And then if anybody wants to reach out, um, get in touch with me and I'll, and I'll put you in touch if you want to mentorship and reach out with questions or whatever it is. But, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, for everyone listening, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening.